0: From people.ai, this is the Legends of Sales and Marketing podcast. Each week, we'll dive into a story from a different legend of sales and marketing to find out how they changed the game. Visit people.ai slash legends for more episodes, interviews, and profiles on more of these icons of sales and marketing. Hi everyone, Justin Schreiber here. Today I'm joined by Alicia Tillman, the global CMO of SAP. Alicia earned her marketing stripes at one of the great B2B marketing companies, American Express, where she learned important lessons about how to build a well integrated marketing machine, but more importantly, how to lead people during challenging times. Alicia joined SAP as CMO of Ariba and has been serving as the global CMO for the past three years. On today's podcast, Alicia will share her insights on what it takes to lead a massive global organization, how to translate a great story into meaningful business impact, and how she's built the SAP brand into one of the most valuable in the world. Well, I am very excited to chat with you about a phenomenal career and the good work that you're doing at SAP. You have an organization of about 1,500 people, the size of a small city state, I I would say. I wanted to actually go back in time a little bit, though, and talk about some of the early influences on your life. Maybe we can start with your mom. And I'd love to know, is there anything that you learned from your mom that's actually helped you in your career today?
1: Yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, you know, I, I came from a household of two working parents. Um, you know, my mom had a had a wonderful, uh, very long career. And, you know, that was the household I grew up in. And, um, you know, learning from her about working hard, she worked in the retail industry. And, you know, both ment- mentally and physically, uh, a lot of work, you know, s- standing on the the showroom floor for multiple hours in a day, to being accountable for all of the, the sourcing and buying. And so it was a lot, it, but she came from such a strong work ethic. And so, you know, growing up with two very hardworking parents, um, you know, was, was kind of the only thing that I knew. But at the same time, you know, I was the oldest of three. Um, I never felt as though my parents weren't, though, part of the greatest family moments we had. Um, And my mom, in particular, it taught me that you can make it happen. It is a juggle. Life is a juggle. And that is what I learned from my mom. It's not always going to be perfect. But if you are really clear about your priorities and what's important to you and What's going to make you happy and what's going to allow you to thrive? Family and work were the two things that my parents built our household around, and they managed to make the juggle work, and it groomed me to where I am today in being able to make the juggle work as well.
0: Well, there's a tremendous amount of self confidence that can come from the early years. And I think also patterns that are established. And it sounds like you grew up in a home where family was strong, but there's also a strong work ethic. And you actually saw the way to bridge those two worlds and make them work together.
1: That's right. That's right. And you can. And, and that's a question that I often get. You know, I'm a mom of two very young children and have a really big job at SAP. And, you know, as it was growing up, it, things weren't perfect, but we we prioritize as we need to in our lives around things that matter. And family and a career, you know, mattered growing up. And it, it certainly mattered in, in how, you know, I manage things today.
0: Moving from there to getting into your career, you started off in comms. And as I've looked at the tracks of different CMOs, they tend to come up either through comms, demand gen, product marketing, and there are advantages to all of those. From a comms perspective, what would you say were some of the things that that provided the most advantage to you today as you serve as a CMO?
1: I would say it's creativity and storytelling. I think the biggest role that brands play today is, is really showcasing the value they bring to customers, their role in society, and why they should be chosen over all the other choices of brands we have in today's marketplace. And that comes down to some very um, particular basics on how well you can build and deliver a story that focuses on relevance, value, and your contribution to the world. And I think that that There is a tremendous then synergy between communications and marketing in that sense because communications is all about crafting and and putting a story into the marketplace. And marketing takes it a, a bit of a step further. There is certainly still a fair bit of the creation of the story that exists in marketing, but it is how you then take that story and spread it across the customer journey, how you use that story to build awareness around your brand, how you use that story to sort of build towards purchase consideration, how you ultimately win that customer through the value you can tell in that story to then ultimately, how do you retain and how do you win customers for life? And so that notion of storytelling exists tremendously in communications, but with marketing, it's about how you now use that story to grow demand for your brand. And that's the piece that I love so much. Starting in comms, I loved it. I was hungry for more. Using it now to sort of be part of the engine responsible for growing the business, that's what marketing allows for. And and I think it set me up very well for, for coming into a role now in field and marketing.
0: You know, I think that there has been a real renaissance in storytelling, not just in business, but throughout society. I I think about the shows that I watched on TV growing up. You had the magic lineup of Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, The Dukes of Hazzard. And now you think about the kinds of stories that are being told on television and the level of sophistication that exists, the ability to create these sweeping epics. I think there's an appetite for that and and people are delivering on that. And I, I see that coming into certainly consumer marketing, but now B2B marketing as well. People understand a good story, and they also create it.
1: It is absolutely the anchor to a successful business, I believe. People want a good story. They want a happy story. They want a story of relevance. They want a story of value. They want a story of hope and inspiration, and something that's going to help them solve problems or create opportunities, that's what people crave. They crave it in their personal lives. They crave it in decisions they make on brands that they choose to buy from. Um, Be it a consumer or be it a business-to-business professional responsible for making buying decisions in your company, the only way you will get there is if you tell a story about your brand That touches on the things that they care about. And so you've got to listen. And then you've got to create a story that's going to really resonate and be meaningful to them. And not to simplify at all, all of the different functional components of marketing, but just to be clear, without a story, there is no ability for you to drive demand. Without a story, there is nothing for you to sell if you don't have an ability to wrap a narrative around it in a way that's going to seem relevant to a customer. And so at the core is absolutely a great story. um, And you can say the same for, I believe, most anything in life.
0: So I heard you rattle off a few adjectives there, happy, hopeful, inspirational, the challenge is we're living in a time when that's not necessary, those are not necessarily the words people would use to describe the current environment. Can you tell me a little bit about the stories that you're building, the kinds of communications that you're having internally and externally that address the realities of people's situation, but also kindle inside of them that inherent desire that we all have to find something that's hopeful or meaningful?
1: I think that in any period of crisis, people look for one of two things. They look for guidance on when the end is near and how they will get there. That's number one. The second thing that they look for is hope and inspiration to help them in that journey. And as a leader, I have focused on both this year in particular um, at my role here at SAP Um, You know, we've been in this pandemic now for the better part of since the beginning of March, and I made a commitment very early on in knowing those two things that I've talked about, people needing to see vision and light and how they're going to get there and what they need to do and how you're going to inspire me to um, make it through what is a very long journey that still, frankly, has no end in sight I made a commitment that I was going to communicate to my entire global team every week during the global pandemic. And here we are seven plus months later and I have fulfilled my commitment in doing so. And it's an important thing that I've done as a leader because the other thing that people crave during periods of crisis is communication. Even if you don't have answers, They just want to hear from you. They want to have a connection to you because it creates a sense of comfort, a sense of trust, and a sense of inspiration to help them move forward. And I mean, I communicated everything from what do our new goals and priorities need to be as a team? And here's where I need you focused to let me tell you about why this year's summer vacation for me with my family was one of the most special vacations I've ever had. You know, in my life, and, and it's it's about striking a balance between really talking about the emotional side of the crisis and what we as humans need to learn from it, and that's the sort of empathetic side of the communications that I've driven. But then it's also the very direct and clear communications on what you really need from your people during this period, this sense of direction. And so that's just an example, Justin, of of one of the things that I've done that has, I think, been very meaningful uh, to my team and has worked to strike a balance to give everyone the direction as well as the hope that they've needed during this period.
0: That's That's actually a great blueprint, especially from an internal perspective on the kinds of rapport that you can develop through authentic communication What about externally? And and maybe um, if you could touch on your your passion for purpose, because I, I hear a little bit of that story thread coming out in that campaign as well. But what are you doing as you think about communicating with your customers and your prospects?
1: Thinking about how to drive inspiration and hope is where the idea of passion for purpose came from. If you think about what I had said just a moment ago about people craving Direction and needing to see that light at the end of the tunnel and how to get there. In the case of this global pandemic, we don't know when there will be an end to it, but we have to help people continue with their day to day journey as they work towards the end and then what life is going to be like afterwards. But that journey, when you don't know when the end is near, can be a really rough one. Um, because often seeing that light is that source of inspiration. But when you don't have it, you have to think of other ways in which you can give people hope and inspiration. And so one of the things that was very clear to me, even though 2020 has been a devastating period on so many levels, the devastation has also given visibility to so many heroes that have helped all of us in most Every nation around the world survived the health crisis that we've been facing with in particular this year. And when I thought about the hope that I wanted to give to my own team, I wanted to look deep inside the 100,000 strong employee base that we have in SAP and showcase stories of work that people are doing outside of their SAP lives to help their communities. And what I found when we reached out and asked people to tell our stories, they were motivating and inspiring and they were countless. And so I created this new series called Passion for Purpose, which puts a spotlight on people in SAP that have gone above and beyond their professional call of duty to really help out their communities um, during this period of crisis, you know, we, we had an employee who started a mindfulness and a yoga virtual series um, with those in her community. We had a member of our team in China who, there was such a shortage of healthy foods and vegetables during the pandemic that she started her own vegetable distribution business in in the you know uh, the town in which she was living and working in. Um, we had a you know a, a husband and wife that has their own catering business outside of, of SAP where they work to sort of showcase the spirit of their culture in the in the cooking that they offer to their local communities. So just beautiful stories of how people have carried on and notably have serviced their communities where they've most needed the support during this period, and so. It's often when you don't know when the end is near, let's just be motivated by all of the good that is happening around us. And in fact, there's been so much. And so this is a weekly series that I started a few weeks back that just shines a spotlight on some of those everyday heroes that we have in our SAP community.
0: Now, you spent several years at Amex as well and had the opportunity to work uh, with Ken Chenault a little bit, um, legendary CEO in his own right. What did you learn from Ken in terms of connecting with employees, setting a vision, and and some of the other things that he might have have, uh, outlined?
1: Ken had a very particular style in how he managed his communications with employees, and he never deviated from it. He always believed that you have to always define the realities. You have to be truthful. You have to be transparent. Even if the realities are hard to absorb, you have to define them, make it very, very clear. But then you equally have to give hope. Um, Times may be tough. We may be in a crisis. But you have to help people be able to see the positives And what we need to do to get to a better place. And so it was always about defining realities and giving hope. And it was absolutely a leadership principle and style of working that I have brought with me to SAP when it comes to communicating with my team, no matter where they are. And I have team members that are spread out across 180 countries And, um, you know, there's always going to be differences in the way in which we operate. But what we expect from leadership is always going to be the same. People want to know what's going on and how it affects them. And then they want to be inspired that we have a plan for getting to a better place. And Ken was excellent in how he navigated American Express through some very difficult times in the marketplace. Um, And it's the same philosophy that I've taken on board here with me at SAP.
0: It's inspiring to see how mentors can not only teach, but pass their legacy on from one generation to the next. I know that you focus a lot on mentorship, and I'm interested in the advice that you share, particularly with those marketers that are excited to come up through the ranks. Maybe they've started in a comms role or a product marketing role and are nervous that they don't have the full Understanding of the marketing discipline. What advice do you to share do you share with them?
1: Well, oftentimes one would expect that if they want to make it to the top of whatever field they are in, then they have to have varied experience and lots of experience in that particular function. And in some cases, that may actually be right. And you do need to have, you know, very clear hands-on experience in particular functions. I do believe, however, that it's your soft skills that matter even more. And when I say soft skills, these are things that typically don't appear on a resume. But I am a believer are what can define success, Or what can um, create sources of failure when it comes to leadership? Empathy, a clear vision and an ability to communicate that. Um, Messaging the path for how teams can get to, to that vision and how they're going to be held accountable, creating safe spaces for people to feel as though they can bring their true selves when it comes to operating day-to-day. A strong focus and understanding as to why diversity and inclusion in the workplace matters. Um, Your ability to think beyond the day-to-day and look towards what can change and how can I lead that? Or Why is transformation important? And what does transformation look like in my team? How am I going to define that? And how am I going to take people along in that journey? To me, it's this leadership characteristic that is so much more important. And so having that hunger and that curiosity and that sense of urgency and that empathy, to me is what I believe is needed at the highest most levels of leadership, particularly today, versus what the very specialized skills are that you can create underneath the top leader to make sure that you're covering all of the different areas of functional expertise that are necessary to run a healthy and thriving organization.
0: So it really is honing the, the emotional IQ, the leadership skills that differentiate the great CMOs from, from those that, that perhaps are good, but not, but not amazing. Is leadership in a 1500 person organization different than leadership in a 10 person organization or a 100 person organization?
1: I would say uh, yes and no. The difference is in where your people are located, what stage they are in their careers, Um, you know, if you have different cultures represented in your teams, um, you need to be sensitive to that in terms of how you lead them. Um, You know, there are different nuances that exist in um, cultural expectations that could be the difference. And I think also there's a different um, style and level of leadership that's needed with where people are in different phases of their career journey. So the way in which you spend time and manage an early talent is different from how you would spend your time and manage someone who has 20 plus years of experience. The leadership is different. The similarities, though, I think are very key. And it gets to the, the previous part of our conversation, which is There are certain leadership attributes that will transcend culture and where you are in your career, and those are the need to be transparent, the need to communicate often, the need to be empathetic, the need to hold people accountable for their success, and to make sure that they have the guidance and the tools from you necessary to get there. Those are the things that are are apparent and necessary regardless of you having a 10-person team that may all be based in New York City, or if you have a 1,500-person a team that's, that is based in 180 countries around the world. Differences, but there are also some fundamentals of leadership that will always be the same.
0: As you think about influencing your organization, what are the levers that you're able to pull to be able to move the entire organization in in one direction or another?
1: You know, it's leadership, I will say, is hard. And if it doesn't feel hard, then you're not doing something right. I go to sleep thinking about my people. I wake up thinking about my people and I think about my people and talk to my people all day long. And that is because without them, there is no ability for me to run and manage a team and deliver against the priorities that we have on our plates. And so moving people to where you need them to be and focus on what you need them to focus on requires you to be thinking and interacting about them all the time. And it starts with being very clear with what your expectations are. And I find that when leaders are criticized, more often than not, the number one thing they are criticized for is lack of vision. They don't have vision. Nobody understands what they're there for. Nobody understands where they're headed. And they certainly don't know what their role is in contributing day to day. They know they're doing a bunch of work, but they don't know what it's amounting to or contributing to. And so you have to have vision. And then you have to make it really clear what the plan is to achieve that vision. And I will say, it has to be tangible. It has to be simple. Because if you come up with these these very big, audacious goals as part of your everyday working plan, people aren't going to know which direction they need to take to move forward. So it's okay to have very big goals, and I've set some very big goals for my team, but I also create um, day-by-day goals that are going to require our focus if we want to get to the big audacious goal. And so my ability to be able to move people along, be it in a normal circumstance or in the midst of a global pandemic, it's always going to be the same. You need to have vision and you need to have a plan and you need to be there with your people helping them. And that comes in different forms, as I was saying about how do you need to manage early talent versus how do you need to manage those that have 20 plus years experience? It is going to vary person to person, Um, but you do have to make sure that you're accessible, and you are offering the resources people also need to be able to thrive and succeed.
0: There's a great quote that just came to mind as you were speaking, people move mountains, but ideas move people. And it's a fascinating concept that you're broaching where if you're able to clearly articulate a vision and connect that to what individuals are doing, you create the alignment that you need, you create the forward momentum that you need.
1: And I will say that the ideas are inspiring. And, you know, I'll I'll tell you, um, when I came into this role three years ago, my CEO at the time said, Alicia, I want you to grow SAP to be one of the 10 most valuable brands in the world. That is what I want you to focus on. And so... When he said that, um, as he was introducing me to the entire company and the role, I thought to myself, oh, what number are we right now? (laughs) So how big of a goal is this? And at the time, we were the 22nd most valuable brand in the world. And my team immediately panicked because um, it seemed like a big, hairy, audacious goal and In some parts of my organization, they felt a bit demotivated by that because they felt that it was unachievable. It's not going to happen. But then there was another body of employees that felt very motivated by a big goal. But both populations, they needed to see a path. And they needed to see wins along the way. And so to your point about ideas, it was, well, what are some ideas we have to help the world truly see how valuable we are? Um, And so, I mean, we've been at this for three years now. Um, We've made it now well within the top 20. So depending on which study you look at, we're either the 16th or the 17th most valuable brand in the world. We've grown our brand value um, by well over $10 billion in the past three years. And we sit in the top 20 of purely consumer brands or brands that lead with consumer and have a small component of B2B within them. So we are the only pure B2B brand that sits within the uh, the 20 most valuable with a clear path To enable us to get there. And so it's about these ideas that we've stood up along the way to really bring attention to our brand and showcase our value when it's mattered the most, like this year in particular, that is what really inspires people. It's you got to have a big vision, but you also have to have a, a path towards and a plan for some quick wins along the way as well.
0: I'm so glad you brought up the topic of brand. Brand is a subject that will be debated endlessly. How much should we invest in it? How do we measure our investment? How important is it to the business? You clearly have a CEO that understands the value of it. But can you talk a little bit about, number one, how you measure the impact of your investment in brand? And then number two, what exactly is your strategy related to becoming uh, one of the top 10 most valuable brands in the world?
1: It's a great question. Um, And I will say that I don't think that there's necessarily even um, clarity the way that I see it it completely in my company on the role of brand. Um, You know, some see it as separate and distinct from our ability to drive demand Others see it as a natural necessity if we want to drive demand. And, um, you know, I see it as, as needing to work hand in hand. You have to be able to have a healthy and thriving brand. And by that, I mean a story of value that is anchored in a value proposition that is the most complete representation of what you offer and to whom, delivered in a very compelling way that is relevant, empathetic, and has an ability to help someone or something become better than they would be without you. And that's the power of brand. Brand is an anchor in how people view you, in making a decision on whether or not they want to buy you and whether or not they're going to stay with you versus all the other choices that they have. I measure this in many ways. I measure it in terms of looking at our purchase consideration. Are people considering their desire to to purchase SAP? Does that go up year over year? Our overall sentiment, does does it go up? Those are some natural ways in which you would typically measure brand Ultimately, I measure our growth rates in the form of revenue from a company perspective. Is the company growing? How many net new logos are we bringing on quarter after quarter, attracting a new buyer to our brand? What are our retention rates look like? Are we able to retain more than we are losing quarter after quarter? So I use a lot of business metrics, but I also use some of the more traditional marketing metrics as well. The marketing metrics are important to me and my team because it helps us understand where we need to put more focus. The business metrics are more important to the business stakeholders because they don't understand necessarily the marketing speak and nor am I going to spend the time to try to explain that to them. And so that's the way we measure the ideas. And I'll be very brief on this. I spend a lot of time researching the brands that are in the top 10 today. And I look at common characteristics that they all have that either we have or we know that we are striving towards. And these are things such as um, the top 10 brands in the world are financially the largest brands in the world. You know, hard stop. Secondly, they are brands that have set the bar when it comes to driving exceptional customer experiences. Customer service, these brands have set the bar on. Number three they are constantly disrupting the industries in which they operate. They are constantly saying, no, we're going to go this way now. And the whole industry sort of goes there. And then two final things, they are so consistent in how they communicate and they very rarely deviate from focusing on a very core framework of communicating the value of their brand. And finally... Uh, And one that I think is most important in today's environment, they have a relentless pursuit of purpose in the world. They use the strength of their assets, their scale and their place in the world, the footprint they have to move forward material change in our society, in our economy, in our environment Because they know that that's almost an obligation that they have. And so when you look across those five characteristics, that is how I model the strategy for SAP in terms of where we need to put our focus. It's dialing up, it's dialing down, it's getting more consistent. But that's the framework that I use and I study it relentlessly as as does my brand strategy team to just make sure that we're guiding our plans and the initiatives that we're putting against that appropriately.
0: That notion of purpose is powerful as you link it to brand. I wanted to actually go to an article that you published or or quoted in back in 2019 in Chief Marketer, where you said that brands actually need to be engaged members of the community. A fascinating notion that a brand in one sense is an entity that can interact with the community. Could you talk a little bit more about what you meant about that? And more specifically, where does the responsibility for the brand begin And where should it end as you're thinking about interacting with the community?
1: I think that at the end of the day, um, we are all human beings and our lives are not defined by the jobs that we have, but more about the contribution that we are all individually and collectively making to society. And that is such an important belief to take on board because I believe in particular in 2020, people are calling on brands as a source of hope and guidance more than they ever have been before. You know, where they feel that their, their governments have failed them or their their the way in which they operate or the structure of the nations in which they live has failed them. They begin to turn more towards the private sector for the opportunity to to take hold of and to lead change. And I find then that businesses have a responsibility to really respond to that. And it starts with the culture of your organization. And when it comes to thinking about, well, who is ultimately responsible for the brand? I think that the marketing organization has a responsibility of architecting the brand that you want to be known for. How do you want to show up? What do you want to be known for? Um, You know, what what is the marketplace need that your value proposition can support? So we need to be listening, we need to be understanding what we have, but ultimately the values and the way in which we operate, which I think is also a very big part of brand, is the responsibility of every single employee within a company, and this is why diversity and inclusion matters. The reality is, is SAP has over four hundred and fifty thousand unique customers across one hundred and eighty countries. The only way I am going to, I have an ability to build technology that is going to appeal to that many individual companies is if I have a very, very diverse workforce that is building technology based on the needs of a very diverse customer base. And so that is brand. There's so many different ways to sort of define it. The architecture of it is the responsibility of marketing. The way in which we build it and live it, and make it a core part of the fabric in which we use to build our innovation and the way we service our customers is the responsibility of all 100,000 employees of SAP.
0: Well, Alicia, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your advice related to leadership, related to brands and the power that brands have in our community.
1: Thank you, Justin. It was so nice to be with you today.
0: This podcast is brought to you by People.ai. People.ai auto-populates CRM with business activity sourced directly from sales teams inboxes. Visit People.ai to learn more about how sales and marketing teams can harness business activity to unlock growth.